Welcome to the Innovative Founder, the show where entrepreneurs get real. These are the raw, the gut-wrenching, often hilarious, sometimes shocking, and definitely entertaining stories of innovative business founders who are making their beautiful dent in the world. No BS, no posturing, and no narcissists allowed. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the unscripted adventures on today's episode. Now, here's your hairless hosts, Bob Regneris and Brandon Boyd. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Christmas. Happy holidays, founders. This is a very, very special holiday episode. It's like a Hallmark show. (laughs) It's like a Hallmark Christmas movie today. Like a lifetime thing. Yeah. Well, we, we made a decision, uh, founders, that uh, we, we have so many amazing guests that uh, we don't want to uh, we don't want to put them on during Christmas week. So we thought for for Christmas week and New Year's week, Brandon and I are going to turn the tables on ourselves. Yes, we are going Woo. to interview each other. So today, your very special holiday gift is going to be Brandon Boyd, Woo-hoo. all wrapped up in red ribbon. You are welcome with yeah. with with tinsel and tinsel. ornaments and everything else <laughs> glitter glitter <laughs> lots of glitter so we're finally going to get to the bottom of why brandon always wears a beanie because <laughs> that's the main question people have like what is up with this dude what is up with the beanie brandon you, you want to know about the beanie okay yeah i've I, you know the beanie it's 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 it keeps my whole body warm. Like it's hair, man. It's, it's a replacement for hair. Yeah. And it's just, I miss it when I don't have it and I feel warm. If I don't have it, I got to, I'm wearing a coat, but I'm good. It, it's really is true. You know, the heat escaping through your cranium. Yeah. Um. So the mom, the moms were right. What, what, what? Like if you don't wear a hat, you're going to get cold. Right. You're going to get, it is very true. It's very yeah. true. So, yeah. So, and it's a style thing, you know, and it's, it's, the, you know, it's that too. It's a Colorado thing. And so I've been complimented on it. So I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go with it. It's part of the, it's part of the uh, avatar. Oh, so you want to be like everybody else? No, Bob, I don't want to be like everybody else. <laughs> I want a warm head. I want to, I want to hang on to any shred of cool that is, that is possible. You know, as much as a 50 year old plus can be cool. Thank you. Exactly. Right? 53 to be exact. You're yeah. Well, let's wind the clock back a little bit, Brandon. Let's <laughs> let's get a let's get a glimpse into how how is somebody like Brandon Boyd created? Tell me a little bit about like Whoa. what was what was childhood life like wow. for you? Childhood. Well, let's see. So my parents, uh, my mother, 100 percent Italian, and she was an antique dealer and I think that's where I got my kind of entrepreneurial chops was, was from her primarily. So mom had this and still does has this amazing ability to go to say a retail shop, a garage sale, an estate sale. And she will wander through and she will pick through, you know, somebody's table of, of jewelry, uh, of uh, just random jewelry and find gold, literally gold. Yeah. So one of my favorite stories is, is, you know, I'm sitting at the kitchen table at home. I'm, I don't know, teenager or whatever. Mom comes in after a Saturday and she puts two watches in front of me and she goes, take a look at these. She goes, she said, open, open those, open the back. So I just 
take a thing and I kind of pry open the back casing of these tiny, like one was white, one was yellow watches. And I open it up and there's 18 rubies inside this watch, tiny little red rubies into this woman's watch. And it was, and I said, what is this mom? And she says, this is a, this is watch is a Gerard Perigold. I said, okay, this is a designer expensive watch worth, oh, maybe two or $3,000. Like, okay. Wow. And she said, um, I paid 50 cents a piece for him. Like, okay. And she would do this all the time. Wow. She does this all the time. And so, you know, her, her life was going out and buying stuff and reselling it. And she'd go, and it's, she'd go out and buy, someone would call her and they'd have some jewelry, maybe a state sale or someone passed and they have like this thing of jewelry. And she, you know, one time she went out and she bought this, this uh, hideous, you know, <laughs> bundle of men's rings. I think it was, and you know, they're giant, you know, we're talking like seventies sure. and they're big and they're bulky. Gaudy, yeah. Gaudy. And she would buy these things and she would, she would take them to her jeweler and she said, okay, cut this one up, put this here, put that one there, switch that around. And she'd come back with this ring that she'd sell for exponentially more than she bought the package <laughs> for. So it was just, it was just beautiful to watch. She'd do this all, all of the time, all of wow. the time. So like, like it, ultimate arbitrage. Exactly. And and she was really good at it. You know, there's people that she'd always, you know, she'd, she'd, she'd sniff it you know, some of these other antique dealers that were just selling the schlock and they never made any sales. And she was just, she would kill it, man. She would just, she would clean up. She just knew what people would buy. And so she made a living around that. You know, the drawback is our house was always full of old stuff and <laughs> kind of smelled moldy, you know, uh, there was that. There's lots of old furniture and, and, and stuff like that. And nothing was new. In yeah. the it, was, it was just, it was, that was just kind of the era. And we, you know, we were kind of in a middle-class, lower middle-class, but it was a game to her and it still mm. is a game to her. And and she's 90 now. And, and, and it's still a game. She still goes out and will go and, 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 and rifle through, you know, like a, a resale shop and just kind of see what she can find. And she'll find some little ceramic piece that's very rare and sell it for hundred bucks and she paid a quarter for it. And so it's, she got, it got really fun for her. So did you go along with her? On once in a while, hunts? once okay. in a while, but it was like, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. like, I wasn't in it like, like she wasn't. And, and my sister still goes with her and does that once in a while, but she just has that knack. And so she, you know, she, she'd come home, she would research it and, and uh, she's got all these antique books on what stuff is worth. And she just got savvy. And, and okay. I always enjoy that she treated it like a game. Um, the other one other story I have about that is, and again, this is kind of, this is, I think I kind of hold this attitude as well as, you know, my dad was a teacher. He was a high school teacher. So we're, we're not making a lot of money. You know, what did, he, what did he teach? He taught English. I think he taught some theater for a while okay um, and some history um but you, you know, know you, should, you, you should have a better grasp with english language if you're i should English right teacher. yeah right exactly i got corrected on my grammar a lot yeah right. but you're oh, a copywriter so right. that's 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 insightful right there <laughs> that's useful um but there was what another thing i picked up from mom and dad was 
they had this lovely ability and mindset of they just didn't buy into the narrative that so many of their friends had. They wasn't comparing themselves, trying to keep up with the Joneses. They kind of laughed at the Joneses. Mm. You know, there's that saying. And for example, they were invited to a cocktail party and mom was telling me the story. And so she goes to a resale shop and she finds this expensive dress. Like, I don't know what the brand would be today for a high end women's. Let's call it like a Versace or something something like that. Yes. Something like that. Some beautiful dress. Yes. Something like that. She got it for nothing, you know, five bucks, three bucks. And her, the fun she would have is she went to this party and you know, she told me after she's like, yeah, it was really fun to go because people are kind of staring at her. Like, <laughs> how does she afford that on a teacher's salary? Oh, and they, mom and dad played that game, not, not to spite anyone, but it was just, that's the way they lived their lives. They made no money and yet they did everything they wanted to do. They never let it hold them back. They, you know, they built us an amazing remote cabin in Northern Wisconsin when I was four. And it never even crossed their mind whether, do we have enough money to do this? Can we, (laughs) it was, it was, it was, no, we're going to do this and and we're going to figure out the money later. And that's exactly what they did. That's exactly how they lived. Cool. So it was just a fun, a fun way to kind of play play their own game versus playing others games and okay. they just they weren't they didn't get wrapped up in in it so so where your family was like an outdoors family right yes so dad um was no you know his his big story in his 30s he um he traveled through europe on a bicycle and um he jumped, he, he like was a, he, he was part of the merchant Marines and then he jumped ship so he could spend more time in Africa. And there's all these pictures and there's, there's souvenirs that we've got. And, you know, we had boxes uh, of um, photos of him just going through Africa on a bicycle. And this is of course, pre, you know, pre-internet, pre, sure. it is, we're talking some maps and you just got to figure it out. And, and, uh, and he just had this lovely spirit of adventure and without fear. Um, he went down the Mississippi River in a canoe by himself and made it all the way to New Orleans. And he went to New Orleans and he got the key to the city from the mayor. Wow. Uh, Wait, yeah. Was it handed to him or did he steal it? No, he handed it, he handed it to him. It's like Nicolas was, Cage. I'm going to steal the city of New Orleans key. <laughs> Yeah, no, he, he just he just did it. He just floated down the river in a canoe and ate canned beans and and pancakes and and um and just did it. It was just there wasn't there was no fear, there was no hesitation. It was and and that's really how they lived. And so a lot of what we did was about being outside, being in nature. Um we, you know, my summers were spent on Lake Superior. And we have okay. and still do a very remote cabin. It's like a giant one room cabin uh, with an outhouse and that's it. And, and um, you're 10 steps from Lake Superior and 55 degree water. And so my, my connection with the earth and the water in that draw for me was really, 
was really um, anchored in 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 that experience. Um, awesome. There was appreciation for animals and nature and trees and uh, again the feral and the raw versus conveniences. Cool. So you you went uh, the direction of art school. I did. Um, right, Art Institute in Chicago. Right. I did. I did. Like it. what? So, what got you there? Like, um, what, like, what, were you doing that in high school? Yeah, I was. I was. Art was my thing in high school. Um, yeah, I just, you know, C student. One of those things where I, I just didn't see the point in in a lot of things I was studying. And and in did you dress in all black? Like, I, <laughs> I, I did not. I'll have you know, Bob, uh, that's, this is, we're talking 80s. This was the break dance era. So I want you to imagine me in parachute pants, uh, a lumbering white guy. Sure. uh, With, and and I had a, I had a boom box that I would, I I decked out with all kinds of flashy stuff. Sure. This was the era of Run DMC and Houdini and and all of the you know Shaka Khan um, oh. and and me th- thinking I could dance and 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 oh dang it, god I, I know I know try to try to you know try to get that out of your brain that vision I can't there's no way um, I'm going to be able to make right. it through the night now I know I know it's a nightmare okay um, so you me and a couple buddies we were the Jet Set crew and we did some break dancing. And I was really never, ever very good at it. I, I, I thought I was decent at kind of doing the pop locking or whatever you call it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But but uh, but yeah, that was me. White guy, parachute pants, 80s. <laughs> nice. Or, Completely out of place, but felt like you're a king of the world. Pretty much. Nice. Yep. Right. Right. So that that got you that got you uh, your dancing got you into the art institute or no, did your actual no, artistic ability. No, it was a in? hindrance. No, it cost me more, actually. <laughs> um went to community college for a time, you know, was doing art, ceramics, did some music. Um, and then finally like, Hey, it's time to, it's time to get, you know, get a, get a degree. So I went to art school and, and art school was, was lovely. Very, very interesting. I think at that time too, I was, I was conscious of, you know, baby's got to eat, right. I got to feed myself mm. and you can go the route of the artist the traditional fine artist um, painting, drawing ceramics. And that's great for whatever reason at the time I saw graphic design as, okay, this is a marketable skill. This is something that, and and I said that to my teacher one time. We're like late eighties here, right? Yeah. Like right around the yeah. turn of the decade, yep. 80, yep. late eighties, early nineties. This is, this is and to kind of give context is, I was in college right when graphic design switched from doing everything on a, a table and a board with, yep. with a razor blade and all that to Mac. Yeah. I was in that three-year window. Well, yeah, that all like, changed there. Whoa. Like we had the SE30s, the little ones, you know, sitting on the desk with the green screen and that shifted everything. And so... Uh, I began to shift from the board skills to the Mac and my, and um, what was interesting is my first job out of um, college was with a marketing, small marketing firm in Chicago and making a, a whopping, I think 21,000 a year. Um, yeah. Yeah. I know I was rolling in it. You made um, less than uh, one of our guests, Dave D Dave the magic show. <laughs> he made 23. Yeah. 23 K doing magic. Yeah. Um, 
but I was on PCs at that point as well from that point on. So I've never, you know, I'm, I'm an anomaly in the, that I, I respect Macs. I think they're superior, but I always learned on PCs. So I just, no, you don't. You disparage Mac on every turn. <laughs> <laughs> you won't Come use on. an iPhone. I just don't want to switch. <sighs> you just don't want to be a conformer. Like, oh, you, you're like the artist. You're that, okay. You're all going to use Macs. Like, I'm not going to join that cult. I'm going to join <laughs> these 17 join other, other cults. <laughs> I'll join a few gonna, other ones. Not like the only cult you won't join is the one that everybody else is in <laughs> the one that's actually designed to be for creative people <laughs> nope I'm not not at all which which is funny because bob who is like uh, i'd be the i'd be the windows pc guy and i am all yeah. mac all apple all the yeah. time yeah which is funny someday i may conform i don't know i'm just no you won't <laughs> no you won't why 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 bother at this point oh. cool so you were doing at at this at this marketing company you were designing mail pieces yeah so it's like designing ads? designing mail pieces. yeah so we're doing direct mail um and it was it was being a designer in marketing departments that got me interested in the cause and effect of of design and copy mm. um I, I I have a love and appreciation for great graphic design. And, and I think I was, I think I was like a C plus designer. Sometimes I was a B plus designer. I was really, you know, but compared to some other people like, good Lord. And I think one of the biggest things about being a great designer, at least at that period of time was, I, I, you know, I learned how to work on a computer, but I didn't love being on a computer 10 hours a day, learning all the little nuances of it. Okay. So maybe I could have become a better designer. I don't know, but there was a, there was an interest point that I was like, uh, how many hours am I spending on something just to make something look pretty? That is good, probably going to go in the garbage. And, and, and that actually, that that statement was made by a, uh, um, when I worked for a printing company later on. Uh, it it kind of talk about a two by four is the the president of the company who I was friends with. Um, this is the one where you hired me out of. You know, he he blurted it out one day, and this is a whatever million dollar printing company and printed all kinds of stuff. He says we print stuff that people throw in the garbage two weeks later. Wow. And I'm like, geez. That's what, what an artist wants to hear, right? Right. Exactly. Like, wow. Ouch. And so there was so there's that aspect. And and the other part of it was I was interested in the cause and effect. I was interested in, okay, what is this piece supposed to do? And it's more about being pretty and obsessing over a font or a color. What is this thing supposed to do? What kind of a response is this supposed to evoke? And that's why I think it worked for me to stay in marketing departments. And eventually I started learning copywriting. And then this is what, 93, 4, 5, the web is born. Yeah. And I immediately, I was working at a company in Chicago and they hired somebody to come in and build us a website. His name was Ed. And Ed and I got along real well. And uh, he came in and charged like, I don't know, she's five, 10 grand to build a website for him. And I'm like, how did you, how'd you do that? And he goes, <laughs> Here, here's the book, bought the book, spent a weekend learning HTML and started building sites yeah, and encoding sites. And, and, and there you go. And so we were figuring this out. And, and I still remember sitting after work at my 
at my job on Netscape browser, hanging Netscape out, looking browser? at yeah, hanging yeah, out, I know. hanging out, looking at looking at stuff online and and printing it out, printing oh, yeah. out stuff so <laughs> yeah. I can read it later. I'm gonna print out the internet here, uh, exactly. <laughs> oh my god! I was like, gosh. oh, I'm gonna print this. This is great. <laughs> Control P. Yeah, I just print random stuff about marketing and, and interests, and so yeah. So that was the uh, that was that, and and um, so I really I really love the cause and effect, which I think led me into the marketing space and and wanting to have the stuff I worked on and put effort into do more than just look pretty. So uh, so yeah, that's where it kind of began. That's that's cool. So um, I mean, you were working for these were, were you doing side hustles then oh yeah always had done a side hustle since i was in college i'm, I'm and this is a believer in the side hustle um i think side hustles kept me sane <laughs> while i was working for corporate <laughs> yeah. I, I generally do i really believe that everyone should have some kind of side hustle um I, I was never good at the politics i was never good at being the company man i got a funny story about that um I was just not, I tried, you know, I tried to kind of fit in and, okay, I'm going to buckle down. I'm going to climb this ladder, whatever this freaking ladder is. And it just didn't work for me. I was just this oddball. And Dude, you're a C student. There was no way you were ever going to climb the corporate ladder. <laughs> you couldn't conform in school. You aren't going to conform at a yeah. job, dude. I, and it's, you know, and I, I shamed myself and kicked myself like, come on, you know, you, you, you can do better and you can do. And it's like it was still trying to put a round peg square hole kind of a thing. And so I always kind of had a, a side hustle going and it. It it was therapy. It was fun. It was, mm. you know, and there was times I'm like, you know, in, in the corporate environment, oh, you get two weeks vacation, right? Well, I'd go in and like, hmm, you know what? Can I buy another week of vacation? Can you just not pay me for a week? No way. So I can go. Yeah. So I can, can you just not, can you just not pay me this week? And dude, I, I did I the same, go this. I did the same thing. Did you? Oh, I did. Yeah. I'm like two weeks of vacation. Yeah. Like, and then I went to a company that had the ability to buy two weeks. I bought two more weeks. Nice. Like, I, <laughs> like I'm buying time off. Yes. Like, I'm like, yes. I can't just do two weeks a year. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's prison. That's oh. like, are you kidding? Yeah, yeah. That is so. Funny. I'm a huge believer in the side hustle. I think everybody should do one. Just you, just again, sanity, whatever the reason. But um, it, it, you know, I, I teach my kids to do it, and 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 we talk about you know they're in the working world now, and um, and uh, you know you you have the, if you have the you have the day job to pay the bills and feed yourself, but then. You're creating a side hustle to experiment and play and and learn and and see what you know see what you can okay. create. So that's kind of what it was for me. Side hustles yeah. have always been that for me. So when did when did you actually break out like out of the job into like all right I'm on my own now? So after the crash, or was that 09, the the real estate crash? We, I had to sell my home as well as a rental property in the crash it was it was you know the the banks were the banks were telling people one thing and uh not doing and doing something completely different and so we oh, were, got caught into that and uh, i walked into that printing company one day and there's a big meeting and they cut everybody's uh salary by 10% and then i called the bank 
and they're like, oh yeah, just don't pay your mortgage for a couple months and we'll we'll do a plan for you. Well, that was a lie. That's a lie. So we had to move. And so we uh, we moved to uh, Grand Rapids, Mission, Michigan area, and we lived in a double wide trailer um, right near uh, um, my ex's uh, family who lived there in, in the town. I'm like, this would be great. Kids get to kids get to be close to the grandparents or rural part of Michigan. Now that was one of the hardest things to do because right. you go from your house. Now you're living in this, you're renting a double ride, a wide trailer. And it was actually the, one of the greatest gifts possible because mm. in that time, I'm again, I was working as a marketing director in Grand Rapids for a nonprofit. I was running my side hustle and during that and, and renting this little double wide and, and I remember walking into the living room and say, Hey, we're, you know, getting ready to pay, file taxes up. I said, Hey, um, I just made 10 K more this year on my side hustle than I made at my full-time salary job. Hmm. And with that, we paid off school loans. We paid off debt. We, we paid cash for a truck. And that's when we decided it was time to hit the road. And so we, we uh, put, we sold a bunch of stuff. We put a bunch of stuff in storage and we bought a 30 foot RV and traveled all over the U S for about nine months. Let's, let's put a pin right there because we kind of blew past where Bob and Brandon intersected. Oh, right. That's, that's so, so is is it accurate to say that working for me was the last full-time job you had? (laughs) It wasn't. Well, quite, it was, it was a second to last. Yeah, second last. You, that was a forced one. You hired me out of the printing company and then nine months later booted me, you know, because everything was falling apart in the world and, 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 uh, and, and closed up shop. But after it was from there, I went to Grand Rapids and worked yeah. for this nonprofit. Um, well, we, that- I mean, we tell the story a lot. We're probably bored of it, but let's, let's just kind of tell your side of the story. Like how did okay. you discover this amazing guy named Bob Rignera? Well, of course. So, so I'm working at this printing company and this is the same company where the boss said, uh, yeah, we print stuff that goes in the garbage two weeks later. And, 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 you know, it was just, it wasn't working. Um, so I'm like, and this time I started getting into the world of internet marketing, right? So yeah. that was when the boom was happening. And I started learning about guys like Perry Marshall, one of our clients and friends and guests. And and going back to that cause and effect interest, that entrepreneur kind of like, I'm going to do something more than make pretty things. So um, I'm, I'm in this world. I'm starting to apply these principles to my printing job. And it was creating results. But, you know. I don't think I was appreciated for what I was trying to do. And and I, I don't know, I just wanted something bigger. And so that's when I started sniffing around and I answered this uh, amazing uh, ad on Craigslist. Um, looking Craigslist of all places. Craigslist, right? I don't even know if Indeed was around at that time. but No, it was not. Or Monster. It Monster. indeed was not. Monster was around, but okay. no, no, we, we, we put an ad on Craigslist of all places. Craigslist. And so I read your your what you're looking for and looked you up like, oh, he's one of these cool internet marketing guys. Yeah. He's like a real deal. Cause I was like, at this one, I was idolizing, like, like, oh, he's one of the gurus. Oh, yeah, I want to be one of those guys. Yeah. Like, cool. He's written a book. You know, yeah. you know, I, little, you know, now I'm behind the curtain and, and I <laughs> see the things. And now I know now I know you. I'm like, eh. There's people listening. 
but but no and so i read like okay well i'm i'm a perfect fit for this and he's gonna get a ton of um you know a ton of people responding so which we did and i'm like well I got to stand out. He's looking for a marketing guy to write copy. Why don't I build him a website and cut through all the BS that all these people are going to be doing, sending cover letters and resumes and all that crap. I'm like, nah, nah. So I wrote you a custom, customized, personalized webpage with your name at the top, sales letter, and sent the link to you. Yep. And, uh, and I think that certainly got your attention. So I remember showing up at your uh, your 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 office above your. Well, um, actually, what happened was Matt and I drove out to your company and picked you right. up, and that's you were right. dressed up for yeah. for. They probably wonder why is Brandon wearing. Oh yeah, like, they wonder. Like, oh, I'm like sure. what the hell is he doing? And then we, <laughs> we we picked you up and we went out to lunch or dinner or something, and it was yeah. like, holy shit! Like this guy is exactly what we need. So. Sweet. Yeah. Like literally you're the only person we interviewed. <laughs> so, but yeah, that, that clearly, I mean, that, that was, that was, that totally told us who you were though, mm. was like, look, I'm going to be, I'm going to be so interested in this job that I'm going to show you exactly what my superpowers are mm. and use my superpowers on you. And it was, yeah. you know, it was, it wasn't a trick. I mean, like if you, you mm. could have tried to trick us, but it was like, no, it was genuine. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. And then you packed it up with, you know, you weren't a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> now yeah. we, we, we did hire a jerk um, oh. along <laughs> with you who, um, <laughs> You know, we'll just say that she found a uh, a sexual interest in one of our clients, and we Woo! had to we had to let her go because of that. That was fun. Wow. Maybe I'll maybe I'll tell that story next week. But yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we we hired Brandon into a we were a seven figure marketing agency. We we're making a million dollars more in revenue each year, and uh, we were heavily involved in the internet marketing space and information marketing space. And most of our clients were um, either connected to real estate, real mm -hmm. estate information marketing, or they supported it. And when 90, probably 85% of our clients were in that space, all went under within a span of a couple months and uh, tried to keep the business going. I'll, I'll tell a little bit more next week, but yep. yeah, um, I had to let you go. Mm. <laughs> um yeah. along with my sister-in-law and one of my <laughs> best friends and like it was it was painful I'll, sure. I'll go through that next week but um yeah it launched you into that non-for-profit and kind of sent you from the chicago area into michigan yeah um, yep but it was go ahead no go ahead oh no so yeah it was it was that disruption um yeah that uh that sent me to Michigan and, and, you know, it was between, there was one job I was looking at in Illinois and, and, uh, on the one in Grand Rapids. And I told my wife at the time, is like, okay, whichever one hires, we're going. I mean, you, we you, like, guys, oh. you guys had to walk away from that house too, right? Yeah. You were yeah, unfortunately we did. We, we love that house. You know, it was, just, it, it was nothing about it. it was a little ranch lived on a, on a, on a, uh, retention pond next to our friends. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, it's one of the things that we see, I think I mentioned it in the last interview with Dave D and we've I've seen it so much in, in, in the show is disruption. Um, yeah. Here, I'll tell you my biggest fear that I would vocalize growing up. My biggest fear was to be the average guy living in the suburbs, mowing my lawn 
and and just kind of like I'm mowing my lawn on the weekends, you know, I'm I'm doing yard work. God, if you want to torture me, give me yard work to do. I'll do it. But I, that was that came out of my mouth. Is like I just don't want to be the average guy living in the suburbs, and that's exactly who I was becoming. I was, and it wasn't a bad life. I was enjoying our home, and we, you know, our kids. We have two adopted children, and friends around us, close to family, and it was good. It was, it was, it was good. But it's, it was just I was becoming who I said I didn't want to become. Wow. And the disruption of. Um, you know, the, the series of events, the pay cut, the, you know, the bank not, you know, telling us one thing and doing another and and forcibly having to, to move and, and go and, and rent a double wide was perhaps one of the best disruptions that could have happened. That's not the American dream, though. No. Downgrading <laughs> to a double wide. <laughs> Maybe they make a TV. I mean, the, oh my God. the Beverly Hillbillies upgraded from a shack to right. the mansion. Right. You, you went the other way. I went. I went opposite. Well, isn't it interesting now? The the trend and the surge around yeah. tiny houses. I, yeah. I just, it's amazing. I just looked at another one here. Twenty four thousand for like a one room little cabin. I'm like, God, that looks really nice. Yeah. Um. So let's um like tell talk about the the RV thing. I think that's yeah. that's a big kind of moment in your life when you uh-huh. said, Hey, you know, we're, we're living in a trailer now, but we're going to live on one that moves. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so we're in our double wide and we start looking, you know, my, my ex and I just had, had this wonderful sense of adventure and, and we had been, we had met and were married and we're in this kind of constraining uh, church for a while and we were we were in a box and neither of us mm. really wanted to be in a box and so we get out of this thing and we had kind of put a lot of desires for travel and going places and doing things on hold because we were in this fishbowl container for a while so you get out of that fishbowl and like ooh who are we what are we doing mm. and what do we want to do so when we moved to grand rapids we were started reading about these families who would go on the road and they would they would homeschool road school they would they would travel an rv and they'd go everywhere and they'd meet up with other families and so like this sounds really fun so um i'm appreciative of of um my 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 wife at the time where um she had that spirit you know Hmm. there's a i I really respect that because she was actually kind of a driver in that space too and and I don't think I I may have not have done it with you know without her support and willing to do it because it's going to mean she's going to homeschool, right? And and you know I'm going to work from Starbucks or wherever there's good Wi-Fi to to keep us afloat, and um and so we just so let's let's do this so let's let's do it. so we we over a period of year we we found an RV we bought it we bought a truck we rehabbed the RV we we made it modern and um. And so we hit the road. Staying true to your roots. You didn't buy a new one. You bought one. Exactly. It's got a got. Yeah, we bought. You a, found you, yourself a ruby watch of an RV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, we didn't do too much. So we just did some modifications, and you know, we made the inside. The, the interiors of, of RVs are very bland. So we yeah. painted it, make it make it really cool, made it cool for the kids. They had kind of their own back room and posters, and they're probably like seven and nine at the time. Yeah, it was a really good age. Yeah, to do this. 
before they're really annoying teenagers and, you know, don't want to hang out with you. And it's a great age to kind of like, because they're going to remember it. Right. And they can take care of themselves a little bit, you know, not like a baby, like, yeah, they want to appreciate it. They'd be more work than anything. They could go along for the ride. Exactly. And so we hit the road in the fall and, um, we're traveling and we're going and, and we're and we're visiting national parks and we're visiting some friends and we're going to cities and it was lovely. We met some friends in Malibu for Thanksgiving that year and and uh, it was one of the most beautiful experiences that have left such an imprint on me. Um, was it was it all you know? We you have this romantic idea of these yeah. things, you know, and it's really in, in, in me, especially probably I can, I can really romanticize a lot of no things, shit. Like <laughs> entrepreneur. <laughs> now come on, like entrepreneurship and, yeah. you know, and, oh, we're going to travel. It's going to be great. We're going to be family and it's going to be all roses. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, that happened. Yeah. Um, what, what, what about the hair raising turns like through the mountains oh, of Tennessee? God. Yeah. In, in the Rockies trying had, to steer had, a truck in an RV. Oh, my oh we had a couple of those. We had a couple oh. of those. Events. I almost T-boned this guy that we pulled out in front of me. I just, I, oh, yeah, this, this, you know, I'm sitting up high in this truck and I can see everything. And man, we're driving somewhere and I'm going through the light and it, it was green. But some guy, senior citizen guy just pulled, or I must have missed him by inches and it, I would have taken him out and his wife is in the pasture seat and her hands are up like this and i could see her screaming it was fine we missed no 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 yeah another one is we got stuck i think in the mountains was south dakota somewhere and you know we were trying to get to this campsite and this guy said yeah go down here and do this and we took the wrong turn and now we're down this very narrow like two only two lanes and we were coming up on a a stone arch they had cut the road through this stone and there was no way I was going to fit this thing. Oh no. Through this. And we were a quarter mile away before like, some tells me I better turn around. And luckily it took about an hour to turn around. I had to really inch it and back it. And it was very difficult because you got people turn going, but, but that was it. That was, there was nothing really more terrorizing and terrible about that. Um, I think we definitely have to do a, like a show. You just kind of going through the RV trip. I know you were, fun. I know you did some blogging and stuff like did that. Some blogging. Yep. But yep. uh, I, I think that'd be pretty cool to kind of tell that story someday. But, so t- talk to me about as you kind of finished the trip, basically you and your your ex looked at each other and said, OK, we could where are we going to live? Right. Uh-huh. Yep. How, like, so, how did you come to that decision? So it was so at the end of it. So she had just got done with nursing school. So like she was kind of ready to be a nurse because, you know, it, I, I bless any anyone who can homeschool children effectively without <laughs> losing their mind. And, yeah. and God bless her. She, you know, she did her best, but you know, you're stuck in a 250 square foot RV and you're trying to homeschool kids and and it's just hard. And and I've only met one um woman specifically in the last 30 years that was like amazing at homeschooling kids. Every other person I've ever talked to, man or woman, is like, oh my God, it's hard to do. And they're yeah. awful and send them back to school. So she was done. And so we're like, well, where do we want to live now? And it was it was between Traverse City, Michigan and Colorado. Um, and Traverse City and, and the Midwest in general, you, you know, you can absolutely gorgeous weather for maybe a couple months out of the year. Yeah. And 
the winter, it just beautiful, you know, moist and smells. I said the word moist and, you know, you, just you did. humid, humid. Half of our audience just cringed. They just cringed. They, they dropped off. Like I'm out. You said moist. No, um, Traverse City. Well, it's where our operations director is, Carla, yeah. who we love. Yeah. It's a yeah. great area. I've been up there. The sun stays up in the summer until like after 10 o'clock and beautiful lakes and trees Gorgeous. and everything. Gorgeous. But but you're right. It's a it, it's a it's a oasis in the summer, but yeah. beware in the winter. Yeah, in the winter it's it's, it's gray and and that wet cold, moist moist cold. Um, so it was between there and Colorado. We just love Colorado because it's such a great vibe. So we we wound up wound up here, and uh, yeah, and absolutely love it. Absolutely love Colorado. It's um, the vibe here is and the people here. It's 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 just it's lovely. It's it's open as possibilities. It's and you know you can get outside all year round. Um, the myth is you know oh Colorado you get all that snow and and been here almost 10 years and you know we've had a year or two where we get dumped on but the big secret is it melts in three days yeah yeah and it's, and it's always sunny so um yeah people don't realize denver is a desert it's a dry yeah, climate. exactly it's dry yeah so and you, yeah and you want it to snow you want the moisture because yeah. it's it, the drawback it was difficult is you know i deal with, with like some allergies that are induced by dry climate so it's you you want some moisture man i got humidifiers running all year long <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean, as you know, uh, me and my family spent a lot of time in Colorado over yeah. the years. And yeah, that's the one thing you notice is like, you better have a bottle of water. You better like yep. just drink regularly because all of a sudden you turn around, and you're like, oh my goodness, I am parched. And it's parched. like, uh, yeah. your skin is like, wait a minute, my, my skin is not moving because it's cracked. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> you got to be acclimated to the climate. Plus an asthmatic in the high, in the, uh, in the high elevations. It's just a great mixture for me. <laughs> no, but absolutely love Colorado. Clean weather, everything's great up there. So, um, I wanna, I wanna kind of, kind of close off. I know, kind of where, where we're at. You know, people kind of know how Fee Stories is born. I don't think we want to get into that, but um, talk a little bit about kind of where you're going personally. Like, what, what's the type of stuff that you're working on with yourself that you're mm. excited about, and that uh, you're going to continue to kind of uh, dive into. Um, the last three years, <clears throat> excuse me. So 2020 was a really rough year. Uh, it was an amicable divorce, still very difficult. Uh, oldest son almost died in a car accident. Youngest son, uh, was really struggling with depression, anxiety. And, um, so if there was ever a year of struggle and pain and it, it was that year, but, you know, as we talked about in the show is out of, disruption can come some of the greatest, you know, growth and transformation. And I really, although I wouldn't wish any of these experiences on anyone, um, out of that came some of the most personal growth that, that I've ever experienced. And, and, and it was the, the disruption was necessary. So I've always been kind of a seeker. I've always been kind of curious, um, in the spiritual realm, definitely not religious. I tried that for a while, did not work. Um, once again, trying to fit a round peg in a square hole, I didn't <laughs> fit into the, to the religious narrative. Um, so it was, it was, uh, it's been a few years of just kind of seeking and figuring out who I am and what I'm here to do. And, um, it's been a lovely journey and, and psychedelics have been a big part of that. Uh, I was introduced to it and, 
fall 2020, when my son was really going through a lot of his own battle with depression, anxiety at, at 16. And I was introduced to a medicine woman and, uh, and introduced to mushrooms. And uh, I'd never done them. And I'd never really done hardly any drugs growing up and was cautious of it. But was introduced to that and and had just a lovely, profound experience with him, with my son, and watched him heal and could take himself off of his meds. And then um, over time, heal through what he was been going through. And I've become such a believer in this as a in, as a intentional tool for spiritual, personal growth and healing that um, I'm now just kind of as a hobby, I... Um, I uh, do the kind of private mushroom journeys, we call them, of kind of light facilitation. I'm in no way any kind of a spiritual guide or anything, but I, I have some tools that I think can help people that I'm learning and, and maybe they can help somebody else. But I enjoy, what one thing to do is enjoy introducing people to the tool as, again, as an intentional tool, not as a recreational tool and, uh, and helping them um, kind of dive in and figure out who they are uh, in, in relation to creation, God, source, whatever you want to call it themselves. Right. Um, so that's been incredible and amazing. Um, I'm excited about, I'm excited about feed stories. I'm excited about, um, you know, as I delve into this kind of I read a lot of spiritual books and try to, you know, just constantly trying to feed and getting perspective on um, how to evolve not only, you know, relationships physically, emotionally, but what does it mean to be an entrepreneur and what perspective are the, is the most beneficial to, you know, to, to create, a, to have a creative business that really serves people um, where you can actually have a great relationship with your clients. Um, I never kind of bought into the, you know, business, it's, it's not personal. And I, I just kind of tried to buy into the hustle mentality for a while. And, and it's just like, there's gotta, is there a better way? So um, what I'm enjoying right now, and I think you and I've talked a lot about this over the years is that how entrepreneurship is a personal development course. It's a spiritual journey. Um, and it's, it's got so many lessons wrapped in it for personal growth um, as well as, you know, creating financial well-being, if you will. So, um, so well, it, it's it's not to disparage people that have a W-2 job. It's, yeah. it's not it's not, not that at all. at all, but it's it it kind of starts early with us. And it's this just agitation or this push towards something different. And. Mm -hmm the people you and I know and have gotten close to are all kind of in that realm of like, I don't want to be contained in a box. Yeah. Um, you use the term feral. Yeah. Like you want to remain feral. Um, mm -hmm. And it's this idea of, I want to explore life and experience life in a way where I'm I hate to say, it, but we're more in charge <laughs> than sure. other people taking charge of us. Sure. Absolutely. That's maybe the best way to put it um, sounds a little self-centered, but it's kind of the way it is. Yes. There's, I think, I know for me, the word I like is undomesticated. Yeah. Um, I just, I, every time I've tried to domesticate myself, in other words, again, trying to fit that, that, 
that round peg in a square hole, whether it's in a corporate environment or even a church environment, you know, I can get, almost feels like I can get myself there 80% and then the resistance kicked in. I'm like, no, this, this is not me. Yeah. And, and maybe that's fair to say for, for most people is, do you spend a portion of your life trying to fit yourself into some mold or some narrative? And then someday, one day you wake up, maybe it's the disruption that causes it. It says, wait a minute, maybe I'm just not even supposed to be in this. Maybe, why don't I quit shaming myself and beating myself up because I'm not putting in 16 hours and I'm, you know, and, and some, it doesn't work for me. Why don't I create something that does? Why don't I create my own game that works for me? Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. I think maybe that's could be a core value of an entrepreneur is holding on to that undomestication. Yeah. Could be. Well, Brandon, this like, I've known you for years, but I learned some things today, which is very cool. Hopefully the audience kind of dug it. Yeah. Hope you, <laughs> you guys know. did. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Now, now next week, uh, we get to turn the tables yes. and you're gonna you're gonna grill me. So oh, yeah. let me oh, let yeah. me go get a let me go take a shot. Because <laughs> <laughs> we are gonna record these back to back. A little yeah. podcasting secret here, but yeah. um hopefully uh you found this useful. Uh we hope we hope all of you, of course, have had uh, a fantastic holiday season. Um, and we will see you on the next episode uh in the uh year 2023. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Innovative Founder with Bob Regneris and Brandon Boyd, a show featuring the real stories of entrepreneurs making their beautiful dent in the world. If you like the show, let us know by leaving a rating. If you're an innovative business founder yourself with a story to tell, then you might just be our next guest. Reach out to us on InnovativeFounder.com and tell us your story. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on The Innovative Founder.